Welcome to Muddy River News this week, furnished by Harvey's. I'm Bob Goff. My guest today is Ken Snyder. He is the Adams County Board Chairman for one more year, and we're going to talk about that. Welcome. Thank you, Bob. Good to be here. So your last term, correct, is oh, underway. It is. 11 meetings to go. <laughs> Um, before we get into that, you mentioned 11 meetings. You uh, very rare that you miss meetings, but you did miss uh, this uh, earlier meeting this month because you had some important personal uh, affairs to attend to. One of your dear friends and a guy who means a lot to a lot of people in town passed away. Yep. Of course, talking about Jeff Spear. Absolutely. Yep. 40-year friendship, and I was uh, uh, blessed enough to be asked to be a pallbearer and between the visitation, it was just uh, too much for me. I've missed four county board meetings in 20 years. It's a pretty good track record. And uh, again, well, thanks for your service and your punctuality on that. But of course, I know a lot of people, uh, a lot of people are gonna miss Jeff Spear, no doubt about it. Uh, of course, uh, Hanson Spear's been a, a longtime friend and advertiser to uh, this website. And they do so much for the community. And, you know, one of the things that they, their specialty is to deal with this sort of thing. and. Uh, Obviously, uh, when it's one of their own, you know, they're professionals, but still, it's, yeah. it's family. And again, our, our condolences to uh, Teresa and the entire family as well. So, uh, moving on now. So, uh, again, 20 years, uh, a, a nice long run, and you are uh, wrapping up your chairmanship. Before we talk about uh, some of the things you're glad you accomplished, what would you like to get done in the next 11 meetings? Well, uh, we have the housing project we're working on. I uh, really would like to get that done. We need to spend all the ARPA we have. There's a deadline on that. It has to be spent by, I believe, 2026, so we have to keep pushing. It's all been allocated, but not spent. Uh, and then, of course, uh, the 48th and state project. Everybody's favorite, the roundabout. It is. <laughs> and, you know, and, and I hear that, and there's a lot of stories, a lot of misconceptions, a lot of bad information. Just because you read it on Facebook don't mean it's true, but um, it's fixing the intersection, but it's also uh, fixing 48th Street from Main Street all the way to the top of the hill, um, halfway to John Wood. It's widening 48th Street, bike paths and sidewalk. So it's a lot more than just the intersection, and sure. people lose focus of that. Uh, we, uh, my wife and I, in October, uh, we, we generally head down to Herman and in, in, in Missouri. On if you go Highway 19 all the way to Herman, you hit like four roundabouts now. Yes, and there's a lot of them over, popping up over there now. Mm -hmm. And again, I think it's just something that people just have to have to get used to. Um, they're really not that bad once you figure them out. Again, a lot of them in the St. Louis area, and whenever you're down there, you just kind of figure it out. Now, I will say though, if you're Steve Einger, you're going to get on a roundabout and drive around six times before you figure out. But yes. you know, he he did that to us one time trying to go to Columbia to cover it. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, yeah. <laughs> it's Steve. Come on. It's, so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, again, the, so uh, those projects uh, on the horizon still. Um, but uh, you know, in your term as as chairman, what are what are some of the things you're the the most proud of? Oh, I got to be the jail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, uh, people. I mean, we had a good committee. We had a good board to put that together. A lot of a lot of people worked on it. But Mark, Peter, and myself, uh, as you know, we babysat that thing. I had hundreds of hours and emails and phone calls and that um, I worked on the project for four years. I remember when my mom passed away, I missed that meeting picking the architect, and that was about the only thing I missed to do with the jail, and that's been seven years ago. So, yeah, um, 
it, it was a lot of work and a long time, but uh, so well worth it. And it, it was very important uh, for a lot of people to keep the jail downtown because I know there was talk about moving out by the highway department, but, you know, especially the attorneys and judges and everybody's like, look, this is where we all are. Let's keep it here. That was a big yeah. thing. Yeah, that was quite the, uh, the feud, in, you know, uh, for a bit. Uh, I, quite honestly, I wanted to move it out 48th and eventually build a courthouse out there, but it did make sense to keep it down here. And uh, again, I think the jail, you know, obviously, you know, the old jail had its issues, the new jails, you know, coming along fine. Uh, when you make this kind of transition, there are, there's obviously going to be some bumps as there were in that project. And one of those has kind of been the residue of the old jail. You guys have kind of been left with a little bit of some of some old stuff, right? Yes, and it's not so much there. I mean, that's not used. It's not heated, not cooled. It's just empty. Um, I think what, what little mold we had was actually more in the basement where we'd had uh, a couple of times where the the uh, storm sewer had backed up into the basement and we were working on clearing all that out and replacing all the shelving with metal and we've gotten all the records out and sealed them in plastic bins so we're, we're working on that but you now the old jail other than just being empty and dusty I mean it's uh, I don't think it's too bad, and like no one ever goes up there. And uh, when you uh, you talked about the the mold remediation, uh, Dave Bellis told us at the meeting uh, earlier this week that that is underway. The law library, a lot of that work's really really going to get up 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 and going here in the next month. Absolutely, yeah, they're doing something down there next Friday. I don't remember what it was, but uh, I I think it was replacing the uh, the uh, heat ducts in the ceiling. Uh, taking out the metal ones, putting in plastic ones, and they're all brand new. And uh, so there will be no one allowed in the building next Friday while they're doing that because they may stir something up. Something that was interesting when we were doing uh, the air purifiers, uh, Peter's put those in for us, uh, the air scrubbers as they call them. Mm -hmm. They took pictures of the ductwork, and the Peter's uh, repairman said our ductwork in that building is pristine. And we have pictures of it. It's just it's uh, it's very clean. And while uh, and and while that may be the case, Dave did also mention that the overall system itself is probably going to need to get swapped out in the not too distant future because you've got a boiler that's what 50 years old or something. We do, yeah. Well, all that uh, boiler and chiller, all that stuff's over 50 years old. It would be nice to go to a normal heating and air system. Sure. And we're actually doing a study on that right now and getting some quotes what that might look like for us. That's going to be an expensive project. Uh, one of the other issues that uh, you, know, you guys always deal with is your, your, all of the interaction you have with the state. You have uh, many positions that you will get state reimbursements for. The state has certainly been uh, active in the few years in raising a lot of salaries that they do the reimbursements of, the sheriff and the public defender and all that. And while it's great that they match it, you guys still have to come up with other funds. So when people see those kinds of, you know, when your budget has to go up and the board has done a, a pretty good job of trying to keep the tax rate low or tax rate constant, you still do have a lot of other unfunded mandates that you guys get saddled with. That's true. People don't realize that, but the state, they pass laws and they raise salaries and so forth. And and then after a couple of years, they just drop off and quit funding them and get dumped in our lap. We have to fund them or cut them. And so yeah, we've run into that. 
Um, also, as, as part of this week's levy, one of the other th new things that the county enacted in September uh, was the Veterans Assistant Commission. Of course, uh, Paul Havermail is going to be running that. We're going to talk to him uh, on this program next week. But something that when, when people look at this, it's, it, there's really been this gap that has not been addressed because while we have a VA clinic here and while we have the Veterans Home here, you know, Paul broke out some pretty staggering numbers about some of the veterans that just really kind of get lost in the cracks and need this assistance. And again, this was another state-mandated program, correct? Yes, it was. Yeah, and you're right. Um, I think there was, I heard a number of up to 200 cases backlog at, at their veterans' home for these guys, and, and we owe them. And, yeah, so this is a great, great program. It was unanimous. Sure. I mean, I told him, I said, guys, you can come and do your presentation, but this is a slam dunk. We owe these folks, and we're going to do this. Yeah, and it was a new, you'll, when you get your property tax next year, you'll see this new tax that has been levied to support this, and it's going to generate about 300000 in its initial year. And, and, you know, and then it will be a set levy as all the other levies are every year. It's like, okay, yes. what percentage will this be? How much will it bring in? Correct. And then uh, the nice thing about having Paul on board, uh, he's, he knows how to write grants as, as you do. I mean, you, you two are uh, a lot of, you have a lot of similarities. And so Paul can write grants above and beyond that tax money. And that's where they're going to really make their make their mark. Yeah, I th and again, having a, a guy in that position who's a veteran himself, of course, he's been very active with the American Legion for years. And, of course, he has the governmental background with as many years of being an alderman, too. So he'll also know how to, you know. And again, the county board, even though the county is funding it and the county voted to establish this, this commission reports to its own independent board, correct? Sort they, of like the health department, kind of? Yes, yeah, it's set up just like the health department and the... Uh, a 911, they have their own group. They picked Paul as their leader. We had nothing to do with it, although when this whole thing started coming together, I said, Paul, you'd be perfect for that position. Mm -hmm. And and I guess it took a while for him to realize yeah, it probably was his calling. Well, again, I think uh, that's, again, that's going to be any, any time we can help, uh, you know, our veterans. And again, something, just a place for them to go to, to say, hey, I, I'm, I'm not getting my benefits or I need this or what am I eligible for? You know, he's going to, he'll have a staff of a couple of people and they'll be able to really, uh, really work on that. And I think, again, I think it's very, uh, very commendable. One of the other uh, issues that the uh, county government and every government has has just been, you know, we talk about the mandates. We also talk about just trying to attack, attract talent. Um, one of the ways that this was solved, uh, you guys uh, gave a little bit uh, more, you gave, you gave significant raises to the EMTs and the paramedics because uh, you know, roughly a year ago at this time, they were really strapped. We were. Uh, our staff was half. We closed Menden completely, and we're, we were covering it from Quincy and, and shared with the other uh, units. But it, it was, uh, we were desperate. Folks were out there working 24 hours a day, you know, and go home and sleep and go right back to work. And we paid out a lot of overtime. But by raising the salary and making it competitive, we were, we were the biggest county in, in uh, the area, and we were paying the least amount. You could go to Marion County, Missouri, Pike County, Illinois. You could go anywhere and make more money. And we just had to fix it, so we, we did. 
The other issue where this is, has come into play as of late, of course, is with the attorneys. Uh, uh, we had a chat with uh, your vice chairman, Brett Austin, about this last week. And then uh, we also talked to uh, Chris Pratt, the public assistant public defender, who's, of course, running for Hancock County State's attorney, and trying to find the a number of public defenders. And also, I mean, I know the state's attorney's office has it as well. But again, this is not a it's. It's not a county problem per se. It's just a problem of trying to attract qualified attorneys to Quincy, period. And you know a lot of the attorneys in town and trying to just get these guys to just try. The firms like Schmiedeskamp and all the others have trouble hiring. And if the private sector guys are having trouble hiring, it's not going to be any easier for you guys or whoever tries to hire. No, it's not. There's a, yeah, it's just a shortage of talent. And, you know, they can make, attorney can make a lot more money in Chicago than he's going to make in Quincy, Illinois. Yeah, and St. Louis. Yeah. I mean, and we St. also Louis, had yeah. a young man who wrote a letter to the editor saying, I'm from Quincy, but I, you know, I'm making more money down here. I'd love to come home someday, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, again, I think it's something that when you look at this and, and county government as a whole, I think the one thing is people, you know, aldermen get a lot of static, like, hey, fix my street, fix my curb, whatever. And then county board members sometimes, you know, they have a lot of responsibility. You have a lot of programs, a lot of things you have to watch over. And when people look at this, you know, you have to kind of, if you, if you really want to know what's going on in county government, everybody's got three county board reps they can talk to, right. and they should be able to reach out whether it's an issue. And you probably, you know, when it's you're building a new jail or something, or you're trying to figure out a way to expand your ambulance service, you're going to hear a lot of people talk about it. Otherwise, you're not. But I think, you know, the the one thing that I know, there's, there's always this friendly rivalry between the city council and the county board. But uh, people need to recognize that both entities are equally important. They are. Uh, you know, the one thing that I've noticed with county, especially this last time, we, we, the last election, we got several new members. And, and a lot of them, you know, they were, they were making some noise, you know, I, I'm going to change this, we need to look at this, we need transparency, we need this, we need that. And then when they get on the board, they think, they realize fairly quickly, as you do, you've been going to meetings forever. Um, yeah, I really didn't have all the facts when I was spouting off or yeah you know it's really not broken they're doing the best they can with what they've got they're conservative you know not like we're throwing money around and so i think in you know give them six within six months they figure out there you might make some adjustments but it's not the wheel is not completely broken right i mean i think every you know i you know I, obviously i'm an advocate for transparency in government a lot of people yep. like that but again you you because you, you do need to see how the sausage is made sometimes mm -hmm. but i think that when you are able to sit down and have that conversation uh and, and look over that budget or look over you know the resolutions or whatever and just having a little bit of, again a little bit of conversation about mm -hmm. that goes a long way sure sure you know just like the roundabout you know that it, it costs this much money. Why aren't we doing this? Why aren't we doing that? We looked at all those things. We we got it. We have prices on the leaving alone. We have prices on the signals. We have prices on the roundabout. We know accidents. We know the volume that it will. And trust me, for the money, for the lack of um, ongoing maintenance, cost of installation, what we would have had to do to do the roundabout, and the traffic that it that it will uh, handle. This is the cheapest and the best way. And we've, we have all the facts. We have all the studies. We have all the you know, estimates. So you just have to trust us at some point.
And people, you know, again, you know, there are many times where you're going to drive through that intersection, you're not going to see a car. But when you remember when it's the peak times for both, when it's the peak times for Rooney Elementary and for John Wood, then, I mean, and again, I live out on that end of town, as do you. Yeah, I mean, it, sure. it gets backed up. It does. Yeah, my wife called me the other day. She was trying to get, uh, go north, and on 48th, she was stopped in traffic at Willow Creek. Yeah. Willow Creek's three blocks down the street. Oh, yeah. Certainly, I've been in that, and yeah. you know when a, I think the one thing with the roundabout is it might it might eliminate some of our friends who are pulling along some of their farm equipment <laughs> if they can't get it through there. Well, find another route. They so. should be able to get through there. It's going to be two lanes. Oh, there'll be two lanes. Okay, yeah. yeah. All right. So well, yeah, so it was made again, for farm equipment and big trucks. And again, growing up, uh, growing up in Northeast Missouri, I always if I was behind, I, I I respected that fact. But sometimes still, you get behind something, it's like, oh come on, guys. Like, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, again, I uh, I want to thank you for one other thing to talk about is I mentioned Brett was uh, was on with us a week or so ago. He expressed an interest to succeed you in chair. I yes. would assume you would support that. I absolutely, hundred uh, percent. Anybody that is on the board or gets on the board realizes, uh, and we all the seats are important, especially the committee chairs and uh, vice chair and and uh, finance chair and chairman. Those are the hot seats. I mean, that's, those are the guys, it's a full-time job. Literally, it's a full-time job, you know that. And Brett has proven to old and new board members, he has earned that seat. Well, again, I've been through John Heidbreder, Dwayne Vemberlo, and Brett Austin, and yeah, all those guys. And I've gone, I've sat down with all those guys and gone through spreadsheets and budgets and talked about all that stuff. And again, yeah, that I've, I've all, when, again, when it comes to that, I've always felt, and I know you guys are in the process of trying to decide what to do with the HR slash administrative position, all that. Mm -hmm. I've always felt that a key element of that would be somebody who could handle the budgeting, the, the heavy lifting of the budgeting, so the finance chair could come in and, and still have, obviously, the major say, but to have somebody just do a lot of that heavy lifting would, would really be a benefit. Yes, and we've... Uh, we just got a, a new system we're working on called ClearGov, and it's a budgeting software. And so we we put some of the numbers in from last year and have kind of played with it, but we're going to hit the ground running with it, or we have since December 1, and budgeting is going to get a whole lot easier next year. While you are retiring from public service, are you retiring from selling cars? No, no <laughs> not yet. I, it's still fun for me when it's not fun. Uh, I'll, I'll walk out and let my son have it. Uh, he already, he already is part owner. Did that when my dad passed away. And he's got some more good help too now. We do. Yeah. 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 Jason you're talking about my brother, friend. right? No. I'm talking about no. Jason. I, ah, no, no, no. I'm, I'm talking about Roger. No, no. no Jason you're right. Dieters, we did. We, we got, uh, Jason Dieters came to us and him and Kyle, my son have been friends for, uh, 40 years, 35 yeah. years. And. It's a perfect fit. He's energetic and hard worker, and he knows his stuff, and he knows everybody that we know, and then some. You know? But, you know, again, no longer being on the county board and county board chair, you're going to have a little free time. Play golf? What are you going to do? I don't know, Bob. Should I play golf or run for mayor? I would play golf. I think you're right. <laughs> Uh, you know, Brit Brittany Bowl was a uh, mayor uh, earlier this week for a day, and, and we'll get to see how that turned out here mm -hmm. on a, in a video we have next week. But uh, I think playing golf, even as frustrating as golf is, it, it, nothing would be more frustrating than uh, than being mayor. I think. Yeah.
<laughs> and Times County Board Chair. <laughs> and County Board Chair. But yes, Chair, I'm, so. I'm looking forward to my golf. Well, uh, thank you for your service, sir, and I look forward to still talking to you and working to you here over the next year or so. Thank you, Bob, and you've you've been more than kind to me. I, you and I have been doing this stuff since I got on the County Board 20 years ago, and you have you've were a supporter to me back then when I didn't know what I was doing. But. <laughs> So I'm, I'm not going to comment on how much you've learned in those 20 years, but no, oh. I'm just kidding. No. Again, thank you. thank you for your service. It's commendable. Thank you. That's all the time we have for now. I'm Bob Groff. We'll see you next week.